0: So anyway, we're going to continue our series on the one another's, and you know, there's approximately 35 one another's where it says, do this to one another in the church, and uh, they're all nice, okay, no no meanness or hatefulness going on there, but also there's just other scriptures that can basically be reduced to one another because they're saying, hey, you need to do this uh, in the body of Christ. And so, how many of you want to know how to make the greatest church in the world? That's that's my heart's desire. I believe this. I believe that if God you know, the church isn't man made, no matter what your stupid pagan atheist friend told you. Uh the church was created by God before the foundations of the world. He bought it with Jesus Christ and He's got a great plan for it. And and in there he tells us that if you do this, if you if you operate in this fashion and in this manner, you know, you can have a, a good church. You can have a church that's a family, not just a bunch of people that come together and sing and and uh, you know, and, and see each other once a week, but you can actually build a great community, and, and that's, what I, that's my heart's desire. Uh, every decision I make as a pastor is, God, what is it that you want us to do to build the community that you want us to build? Now, this, in, in James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, As it is working. Now, how many of you have heard that a thousand times? Confess your sins one another, confess your faults one to another. But you never really sat down and asked yourself, why is this so important? How is it to be done? You know, what makes it work? Because I've seen it go bad a few times in my life. How many of you have ever been in the middle of a service and somebody just stands up in the middle of worship and says, I've got a confession to make? I've slept with that woman on the front row, and I've slept with that woman on the back row. I mean, how many of you have ever seen something like that in church? I've seen and heard it several times. That's probably not the best way to go about what the Bible is saying right here. You know, there's a a time and a place for everything. Also, we believe that, you know, God, we're to confess to God, right? Uh, You guys don't come to me to confess your sins because I'm not God. But if me and you have ought between us, then we need to have confession between one another. But also, there's the fact that, you know, we all have things that, that, uh, that we're, God's trying to root out of our lives, and we need to have accountability and people that we can trust and talk to to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Pray for me that I can deal with this. Pray for me that God can heal me of this and that I can move on and look for something else to fix in my life. Amen? Because how many of you have ever dealt with one thing, and, and then God shows you you've got this other thing, too? And... Uh, and so, confess your faults one to another that, and pray for one another that you may be healed. It's really not the most natural thing to do, is it? Imagine that if the world just ran by this system. Somebody murders somebody and immediately they run to the judge and say, I'd like to report a murder. Me, I just did it. I just killed somebody five minutes ago. Or somebody, you know, robs a bank and immediately they go to the, the police and say, I'd like to report a theft. Yeah, me, I just did it. Uh, you know what I mean? Just... Just think, though, I mean, uh, there, it, it, would, it, would, it would create a lot of uh, help in court costs and lawyer fees and stuff like that, right? You wouldn't need all these things in courts and, and uh, jury duty. Oh, man, it would be nice, wouldn't it? You wouldn't have to go to jury duty and do all that. So, uh, but that's not the way the world works, is it? Because what happens when we know something about ourselves that we don't want nobody else to know? We hide it. <laughs> We're like, man, i got to bury this. Like Achan buried the shekel of silver and gold under my tent, under a carpet, in the midst of millions of people where nobody can find it. And so, but nonetheless, we're told that this is the way we're to go about things in the church. And I'm like, wow. But what, if you got a bunch of, what if you got a bunch of people that are legalistic and hateful, and you go and tell them your faults, and then they run you off and have nothing to do with you anymore? That's another thing to consider. And what about like, uh, you know, if if you knew everything about the person sitting next to you, would you be back next week? I've heard that before, too. Whether you just would be be afraid to sit by the person next to you, or whether you'd be just ashamed to come back to church because everybody knew stuff about you. I mean, I'm talking real, right? Y'all thought about these things. And so, I mean, I'm like, okay, well, one extreme would be to keep your mouth shut and don't say nothing. And then the other extreme would be just to be openly candid with anybody and everybody. And both of those extremes, I don't think, are what God's trying to tell us to do here. But God's trying to give us some wisdom on how, I believe, to have a healthy community of people that basically keep it real for individual's sake, but also the sake of the community. So I want to talk about confession and and what what it will and will not do for you and the results of it and why it's important. And the first thing... Is lack of confession leads to a hardened heart? How many of you have ever had a hardened heart? Okay, we all need to confess from lying in the other day because very few people raised your hands. Uh, Proverbs 28:13 through 14 says, "Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy." How many of you want mercy in your life? You see, that's, that's an awesome word that, that Dusty Brothers had today, and it goes along with what Terry Virgo was teaching us in the, the start book about the Lord's Prayer. You know, God is our Father. It says, Our Father, who, is, who art in heaven, your King James Version, art, right? Uh, Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. And so we, we simultaneously, in this relationship with God, we need to walk in a manner of, God, you are Holy. But God, you're my Father as well. Because, see, if we just if we, if we take the Father and forsake the Holy, then we just look at Him, you know, and, and we belittle Him. But if we just look at Him in Holy, we don't understand His love for us and His Fathership to us, then we see Him as somebody that is so great that we can't have anything to do with. So we have to have this simultaneous, you know, understanding and knowledge. And that's what Jesus was saying in His prayer. That's what the Word teaches God is sovereign, He's holy, He's righteous, uh, but he, he wants to be our Father. And so that's what it's important we're trying to do is trying to walk in this relationship with Him. But Proverbs says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. It says, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And I can tell you testimonies of... Falling into having a hardened heart. And it will ruin your attitude, it will ruin your day, and it will ruin everything around you. Uh, Dad's told me in, in, in the church before about times he's gone through in his life and in ministry being hurt, you know, just getting angry. And, uh, and people uh, coming up and saying, you know, if you don't do this, God's going to kill you. And saying, okay, whatever, you know. Uh, some of you people, you know, may be involved in things in your lives that you've refused to deal with uh, according to the Holy Spirit, according to His Word, according to uh, brothers and sisters, saying, hey, you know, you need to deal with this. And every time you refuse to deal with that, you just get hardened to it. You get numb to it. You become accustomed to that lifestyle. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today. It says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so we're not to go around hurting each other. We're going around and encourage each other to do what's good in our lives and to be open with each other. But see, there's something about confession. It's, it's a, it's, in the body, it's a two-way thing. It's about us all being open and candid with the right people in the right context and with God and uh, doing what we need to do so that we don't become hardened because when we become hardened, you become miserable. How many of you could give a good testimony about being hardened? I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a, it's a bad place to be. There's nothing worse than than knowing that, that there's this opportunity of a relationship with God going on. There's nothing worse than trying to come into worship and fake it, you know, when in your heart it is just hardened as a rock and hardened as a stone. And we all know what to do, but we always don't want to do it. Sometimes we just ain't ready, and it's true. But sometimes it's because we're afraid to come to this holy father god and say god help me and that's all he wants to do in the first place you know the prodigal son we see that as a story of somebody getting saved but you know that's just the story of god's children that's the story of any time we find ourselves off course and off track god wants us to come to him running and saying god help me i need you i need you that song remember, where did we come up with that where did we first come in contact with that song i need you more now than yesterday that's an old song, but man, it's just as powerful. Today, I felt today in, in worship, this sweet presence of God just wanting to remind you people that He loves you and to, to honor and fear Him, but don't, don't cut yourself off from Him because you're a knucklehead. You know, He knows this. He knows this. He knows that we're sinful. He knows that we're going to fall. It, the Bible doesn't say that, you know, when you stumble. It, says, it, says, it doesn't say if you stumble. It says what? When you stumble, it says we have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ. And, and I need Jesus, you know, more today than I did yesterday, because I'm learning God's Word and discovering things and deeper things, and I'm like, man, you know what? I don't ever want to settle for what I've experienced in lieu of what God has for me in the future, and, and of, of the relationships, of the, the, the things that He can do in my life, of the the, the things that... That I want to, you know, him to touch in my life, you know, the attitudes and whatnot that we have in our lives. That you're like God, you know, how, you know, there's there's things that we want God to to change in our lives, to have more faith, to be more bold, to have more courage, to be more effective in the ministry, to be more helpful to people, because we have this life that's crazy, right? I mean, you know, people. Uh, it's real easy to become guarded and pull back, but you know, as Paul says, you know, don't, uh, don't grow weary in doing good. So God, do what you've got to do in my life so that I can continue on to continue to help people and, and, and be fruitful in my life. So a lack of confession leads to a hard heart. And it's simply because the Holy Spirit convicts us and we tell the Holy Spirit, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. And without the Holy Spirit, all you have is a rock. That's all you've got. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is, is the best uh, physical therapist you can ever encounter. The Holy Spirit is the best massage, uh, whatever you call those things, technician or whatever, that, that you could ever come in contact with. Because I've, I've had times of just, just, just I've come into our worship services with bad attitudes and whatnot before, and the Holy Spirit just come in and just waylay me. And I'm like, what the heck was my problem before I came here today? What was wrong with me today? And allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. And whatever had, whatever had you so fired up or angry or mad or bitter or upset or wanting to quit before, it's like it doesn't matter anymore. How many of you have ever got a good massage? You know, some people recommend doing it once a, once a week. And uh, they say because it pretty much makes you not care about anything at the moment. And, it, you know, and it's not a drug. It's actually good for you. It's not going to hurt you. But, you know, it doesn't relieve stress. I mean, because how many people are dying of stress? What is, what is pretty much the, the biggest cause of cancer and sickness and diseases? Stress. You know, we don't realize how, you know, God says, you know, take no thought for tomorrow because <laughs> today has enough troubles of its days. I think that's a prescription to say, hey, you can, you can overstress yourself and overanxiety yourself and you can, you can die early or you can just live a life of trusting in me. Because he knows that these anxieties and all these things and the things that we try to hold into ourselves that we don't turn over to God that we need to confess or that we need to have faith in, they're killing us. They cause stress. And God is saying, hey, I'm trying to get you to have peace. I'm trying to get you to relax. I'm trying to get you to have peace with me and I'm trying to have you to have peace where possible with your brothers and trying to help you have a better quality of life and and walk in 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 a... amount of health that's that's not needlessly going to kill you prematurely so this hard heart you know paul says in in acts twenty four sixteen. you know it says confession lack of confession leads to a hard heart but confession leads to a clear conscience confession cleanses the conscience confession massages and softens our hearts Acts 24, 16 says, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. And there's a, there's a lot more to this than we realize. First of all, the Bible says that if we say we love God and we don't love our brother, that we're a liar and the truth is not in us. So we see here that that it's important that we simultaneously walk in fellowship with our brothers as well as the Lord. Because it's all one big thing. It's all the same family it's all the same kingdom it's all the same body but he says here to walk with a clear conscience what does that mean to have a clear conscience that means you don't that means that you're not it there's nothing convicting you there's nothing saying hey you need to deal with this you need to confess this or you need to make this right with your brother or you need to make this right with the Lord but man we make this so difficult don't we but, but the Bible is so pro, run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus, run to Jesus. The prodigal son, all the stories through the Bible. First Timothy 1.5, he says, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So he, he states these independently like it's important. It's important that our hearts be in a right attitude towards people and God, that our conscience is clean, that I haven't done Mickey wrong, and I'm not willing to deal with it, and I don't want to, you know, talk to him, because here's the deal. If I've done Mickey wrong, and I'm refusing to deal with it, then there's, there's a separation there, there's an awkwardness there, there's a breaking there. There's not this just ongoing relational flow there. And he says, in a sincere faith. You know, you can have, you can have faith, and you can have a Conscience. 1 Timothy 1 18 through 19 says this. He says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Now, how many of you know that we're in a warfare? We're in a warfare. You know, we're, we're caught between, we're, 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 uh, hopefully, we're on the, the side of, I am, hopefully, you're on the side of light versus the side of darkness, which would be Satan. But we want to fight this war well because this isn't just a just a, a war of I'm, our lines over here and your lines over there. Satan, can, Satan is good at all kinds of warfare, conventional, unconventional. He's good at espionage. He has spies. He's good at sending stuff into your brain that you can either receive or not receive according to the Word of God. I mean, there's so much that he can do and we need to understand how he's trying to work. You see, because... What Satan wants to do is come into our lives, have us have a hardened heart, not be effective serving the Lord at the moment, to feel condemned, to feel hopeless, to make us feel like there's no way we can go to Jesus with our problems and and, and solve our problems. That's the way Satan wants us to feel. Satan wants to steal your worship when you come in here and make you feel like, There's no way that you can restore things to where you can lift your hands and sing to the Lord today because Satan does not want God to be worshipped. You know, if you go back and do the back study, Satan was the lead worshipper in heaven. Satan was created. He was over a third of the angels. He was created to worship God. And one day he said, no, I want to be worshipped instead of God because I want to be just as good and just as worshipped and just as honored. And God said, no. And God said, Satan, he says, says, I will create people who will worship me. And I will show you who is worthy to be praised and to be honored. And he says, in accordance with the prophecy, he says that you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. He says, by rejecting this, he says, by rejecting, you know, holding faith and a good conscience, he says, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Some have come up on the shore, some, some have, been, have been stranded. How many of you have ever been shipwrecked in your walk with the Lord? How many of you have ever just feel like, man, I'm just so jacked up and destroyed right now that I'll, there's nothing ever going to be able to come out of my life or my mouth or anything that's going to serve any good to the Lord? And here's the deal, all we have to do is restore ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I confess, <laughs> I confess to you, Lord. Or if you're crossed up with your brothers and sisters saying, I am confess that I've done you wrong. I want to walk in relationship. You see, I always say this, that if when we get crossed up in the process of forgiveness, that if we get crossed up with somebody and we go in there with the objective of proving one wrong and proving one right, which you have to do, but if that's your main objective, you've already lost. Your main objective should be restoration with your brother, restoration with your sister, peace and love and harmony, in the relationship, that should always be the main concern, because when you go, if you go in there to prove that, if you're going there just to prove that you're right, you'll use any means to prove that you're right. You'll say anything to prove that you're right. But if you go in there for restoration, you will go in there with humility. You'll go in there with a good attitude, and you'll go in not only for the benefit of yourself. You'll go in there for the benefit of one another, and that will totally change the tone uh, of the interaction and the outcome of the situation. So confession clears the conscience. How many of you have ever experienced that? You say, Lord, I'm, I'm dealing with this. How many of you have ever had been crossed up with a friend and you went up to him and confessed and they said, hey, I still love you anyway. Let's go on about our business. It's nice, isn't it? It's nice. It's nice, as they say, to lay down at night on a soft pillow instead of a hard pillow. You say, I guess that pillow is kind of, I guess that pillow is the, uh, it's the tool that measures your heart, Right. When it's soft, so is your heart. But when it's hard, it's telling you, hey, you need to put a little uh, softening agent, you know, a little uh, downy or something on your heart and soften it up a little bit. But confession builds relationships. You know, it's not, it's, it's not about a tally system to see how many people are wrong and who's right and all these other things. But confession, like I said, it puts our heart in a clear place between the Lord and between our brothers and, and the whole point of it is this, is so that we can walk in relationship with one another. It's so that we can walk in relationship with the Lord, we can walk in relationship with our brothers and sisters and not, not, not let Satan come in and cause damage where there shouldn't be any damage. And I was reading something today, and it, it caught my attention. I thought, oh, I need to share this with the people. But, you know, how many of you feel that because of sin, how many, how many of you believe that sin affects your relationship with God. Then we're affected. Right? For all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Hmm. What are you going to do about that? Well, He sent Jesus, right? But after the fact, what happens after? The Bible says when we stumble, you know, to go back where we had fallen, to confess, like I'm talking about now. To, to keep ourselves from being hardened. So the problem is is this, is we still do stupid things. We still need to confess. We still sin. We still fail, and we need to confess. But, you know, it's like there's a... I've been trying to define this, I guess, if you will, because, you know, sometimes you can tell somebody that comes up and they got a legitimate confession saying, hey, I've screwed up, and you can see their attitude to seeking restoration and whatnot, and then you got the people that come up and just let you know, I just want you to know I'm not perfect. Well, everybody raise your hand and say, I'm not perfect. We already know this. Please don't everybody ever come in and tell me you're not perfect. I know that. I knew that before I even met you. I'm not perfect. But it's like, you know, they get, they get crossed up between a genuine confession and a, and a, a cop-out saying, Hello, I just want you to know I'm not perfect. Okay. Well, tell me what you really want to tell me. But the reason they say that is because they really don't want to confess because they really don't have any plans on changing. You know, if you go back and read Proverbs there, it says this. It says, um, it says whoever confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So, you know, there's, there has to be a genuineness. There has to be a, you know, a confession of, hey, this is what's going on in my life. But the problem is, is when we don't want to let go of it. The problem is that's, that's where things get awry because when we come into church and we, 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 we do something that week, what we need to do is just confess to the Lord. But here's the deal. When we confess, we need to know that it's done with. We need to walk away from it. We don't need to let it linger on us. We don't need to let it attack us. We don't need to let, let Satan condemn us. We need to just go on like it never happened because God takes it and slings it from the east is from the west. But I was reading uh, Psalm 66, 16 through 19. It says, come and hear. And this is David. He says, all you who fear God. He says, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. He says, I cried to him with my mouth. And high praise was on my tongue. He says, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart. He says, the Lord would not have listened. He says, but truly God has listened, for he attended to the voice of my prayer. And see, so if we have this attitude that if we, if we fail or if we sin or if we make a mistake that God's not going to have nothing to do with, you can live a pretty long, miserable life. We understand that confession fixes this. Confession heals this. It restores our conscience with the Lord and, 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 and enables us to walk with him. But here the difference is, it's not the fact because here's the thing: the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. There's some stuff to think about. So when what what does it become a problem? You know, if sin, if if because of sin, God won't have anything to do with us, or it affects our relationship, or anything than like that, then we're pretty much in trouble. What's the sense of trying? Well, what God's trying to tell us is this, is when you sin, you have an advocate. Use that advocate. Confess and move on like it never happened. But David here is making a, a differentiation here between failing and then cherishing what's going on in your life. In other words, I'm going to do this. I don't care what God says. I don't care what anything anybody says. I'm just going to continue on doing this. And this is the process I was talking about of us becoming hardened of us becoming, uh, you know, deaf to the Word of God, deaf to the Lord. And you know what? That will affect your relationship with the Lord. Because if you want a relationship with God, you, you want to hear His voice. You're going to want to hear Him. You're going to want to know what to do. But if we totally decline and deny and have nothing to do with God, then we really can't truly, we're fooling ourselves to say that we want anything to do with God. So it's not sin so much as it is the determination to keep doing what it is that the Lord is convicting you about? It's the the cherished thing that you want to can keep pursuing. It's the thing that you want to stick with. It's not saying, "Hey." So what this does is, is this. What it tells us is this: is it's it's really more so about the heart of it all. It's more about the attitude than it is the actions. But what do we know about our attitude? It what it affects our actions. But what God is trying to say is this: is look, I want your heart. I want to walk in a clear relationship with you. I want you to love me. I want to love you. I don't want anything between us. And God also says, I don't want anything between you and your brothers and sisters. Uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, what? You've gained a brother. You've gained a brother. So what's the point of this process? It's about gaining a brother. It's about gaining a sister. It's about staying restored. Because anytime there's division or there's sin between people, alliances are being built, lies get spread, justification sets in, before you know it, you've got teams of people versus just one-on-one people. And God is saying, look, through confession, we can maintain clear conscience between one another, we can maintain a clear conscience with the Lord, and peace will reside and, uh, and, and unity will be the key instead of, you know, diversity and hatefulness. Ephesians 5, 8-11 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. How many of you did, how many of you've ever done something and you totally wrote, you totally didn 't see anything wrong with it, but then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit come and begin to convict you about it. What would be the ideal thing to do? Respond to whatever he said you know and so we, this here Paul is saying the aim of our charge is a pure heart and a clear conscience and faith toward God. you see so confession is key to this this community that God is trying to create in our, in our lives and in our church. But what we have to realize is this, it, there's also some other effects of confession that take place on our end. Because when you fail and you confess, what does it do? It reminds you of this. You need Jesus more than yesterday. It reminds you that you're not better than this person you're confessing to. It reminds you that you're just a sinner saved by grace like each and everyone else that accepts Jesus Christ. So it keeps genuine community there. We all need Jesus, we all need humility, and we all need understanding for one another. So how does this work out, this confession deal? You know, there, there, you, that doesn't mean just anybody and everybody. First of all, when you sin against God or you sin, period, we should always pray to the Lord. Amen? We say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, give me the grace to, to, to overcome this or whatever it is. Or, you know, sometimes you might have had a bad day. You might have said something that hurt somebody. You might have... How many of you have ever, you know, done something unintentionally that you hurt somebody, and then you had to go back and say, Hey, I'm sorry, that was wrong. I didn't mean to cause this pain in your life. You know, we, we need to be that sensitive that we immediately, quickly just respond to those things when they happen. Uh, that's, that's something we need to do. But also... Lost track there for a minute. She can cross the road. No, I'm just... Do y'all see the conundrum we find ourselves in? We're in a community of people, and we're supposed to tell other people where we fall, where we failed. How vulnerable is that? How risky is that? How dangerous is that? But God says, hey, if you want to be healed, you need to confess to one another. And you're like, well, God, they're going to have nothing to do with me anymore. You know, there's things that you just keep between you and the Lord. But when you've done somebody else wrong, you need to go to them. But then there's also you need people in your life that you love, and that you know loves you, and it's out for your welfare, that you can go to confide in and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and I need you to help pray for me about this. Not just anybody. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, it says that a whisperer separates close friends. So we don't need to be talking to whispers and gossips. You know, the Bible says about gossips, it it had nothing to do with them. What does that mean? I don't know. I need a thesaurus and a concordance and a lot of other things. What does have nothing to do with in the English mean? It means have nothing to do with them. Why? Because they're going to jack up your conscience. They're going to jack up your community. They're going to tear up everything around you because their attitude is revealed and they are out to destroy. So, I mean, this is a pretty... Apparently, it's the way because it's the way God designed it. But not only does it create genuine community in your church but it keeps us genuine as well because it is by our confession and it is by our repentance and our our seeking of the Lord that really reveals what's in our heart you know the in Isaiah it says that you know the people worship me with their lips it says but their hearts are far from me so it's real easy to come into church and you know lift your hands and sing and play instruments and serve and do all kind of other things. But to truly say that my heart is with the people of God, my heart is with the Lord, that's a total different thing. And for and for the for the external things to have meaning, for the external things to develop fruit, it's got to come from a heart that's saying, hey, this is what I truly desire. And so they have this attitude that we're never going to fail again. Or if we do that God's not going to have anything to do with this, well, that's just that's stupid. That's why he sent Jesus to die. That's why he's done all that he could to make restoration possible. But what we, what we have to do, though, is we have to focus. We have to, we have to think about our walk with people and our walk with God and our relationships and make sure that when we lay down in bed at night, when the Holy Spirit says, hey, you need to make this right, that we do it. Because if we don't and we refuse That we'll get in the habit of not dealing with things as they come up in our lives. And before you know it, our hearts will be hard. And before you know it, our prayers will be hampered. And before you know it, our worship will be robbed from us. But even then, all it takes is repentance. Even then, all it takes is confession and going back to Jesus. Go back to where you fell. And so confession keeps us humble. It keeps us in the right perspective, and it keeps community in the right perspective. And uh, that's the way God intended it to be. So while Teresa comes up, I just want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes real quick. And You know, I'm just, uh, I do, I felt during worship today that God wanted to just let us know that he loves us. I felt a sweet presence today to say, I love you. And I want you to remember, I'm here when you need me. And so today, my question is this, is how many of you need the Lord today? How many of you uh, are, have things that, that you're fighting with, you're struggling with, or things that you feel hopeless about that you're trying to hide from God instead of bring to God? It says, it says here in the Bible to bring it to light. I believe that today, God wants to minister to some people today and minister to the hearts and give you some hope and, some, and healing in your life. And so what we're going to do is, well, I want everybody just to stand real quick. And Teresa's just going to lead us in a short song of worship. But listen, I want you to leave today at peace. I want you to leave today with a clear conscience. I want you to leave today feeling like, you know what? I'm in a, I'm in a group of people that love me. I've got a God who loves me. I want you today that if you've, you know, if... if today make a decision to deal with whatever the Holy Spirit's put on your heart. Maybe you need to make a relationship right. Because you know what? until you do your heart's just going to be hardened. And it's not like you get a level one hardness. It's just a continual hardening and a continual hardening until you deal with whatever God's put on your heart to deal with. And your relationships in the church and the relationships around you. Paul says seek peace where possible. Maybe you're not giving peace a possibility. You know there's times you got to cut relationships, there's times you got to make hard decisions. But you know what? You can't go to bed thinking that I didn't give this the opportunity that it deserved. So today and while we worship, whatever the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, uh, mom and dad, if you'll come down, William, Leanna, Jessica, Mickey, and Christy, we want to help you. If you want to just come and speak to the Lord alone or if you just want prayer or whatever it is today, if maybe you're sick, need healing, uh, prayer for whatever it may be. I want you just to respond to what the Holy Spirit's saying today as Charissa leads us. Y'all come. I'll just uh, William just shared with me this morning that he feels like somebody today needs an opportunity to give their life to Jesus, and we don't want to turn down that opportunity if it's there. You know, we're talking about confession and we're talking about repentance. You know, but there's it's no good unless you've made the big, and initial confession and repentance. The Bible says that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And it says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so today, I just want to give you the opportunity. I just want everybody just to bow your head and close your eyes, just out of respect for those who are going to make decisions today. But today, I want to ask you this. First of all, how many of you know today that if you were to go out those doors, and that if between, in the next 24 hours the next week, that you were to die, and to breathe your last breath, that you, you know confidently that you would open your eyes up in the kingdom of heaven. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Amen? Most of you raise your hands having that confidence. But let me ask you this question. How many of you, when I ask that, that if you died today, would say that you're confident that you would go and be with the Lord in the kingdom of heaven? Some of you couldn't raise your hands. Some of you say that, you know what, I'm not really sure that's where I would be. Well, you know what? The Bible says it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. And so salvation, the Bible says, is an act of faith in the work of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he lived a perfect life, that he died as a sacrifice for the sins of mankind, and that by faith in that, that we can have eternal life. That we can, by grace, receive something that we don't deserve because of the goodness of God. But what I want to do for those of you that I want you to ask yourself, if you don't have that confidence today, if you're not sure that if you died today, I want to give you the opportunity to give you that confidence. I want to give you that opportunity to say that, hey, I want eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do. I'm going to say a prayer and I want you to say it with me. And I want you just to sincerely mean it in your heart. And if you do, I believe God will save you right there where you're at. So just say this with me. Say, Dear Father, I come today acknowledging that I'm a sinner. Today I come acknowledging that I need a Savior to save me from my sin. Today, Lord, the best ability that I know how, I just repent. And confess to you. Today I receive Jesus as the blood payment for the debt that I've incurred. And today I declare him Lord of my life. And just say in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, while everybody's head's still bowed and closed, I want to ask you this. How many of you today said that prayer saying that I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I died, I would be in the kingdom of heaven? How many of you said that prayer today? Amen. One, two, three, four. Several hands today saying that, hey, I've made that decision. Well, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to let somebody that you're with know today. We're going to be standing up here as we get ready for the next service, but if you made that decision today, I want you to come up here and say, hey, I made that decision to let Jesus be Lord of my life. And all we want to do is we want to pray with you and encourage you. And uh, we want to get you baptized, too. We're fixing to have a baptism pretty soon. And uh, we want to make sure that you do that because that's what they did in the, in the, in the Bible. I said Jesus was baptized, and all the disciples were baptized. And that's a time to declare to the world that, hey, today, I want the world to know the decision that I've made. So, Father, I just come, and I thank you, Lord, for those who gave their lives to Christ today. Lord, I thank you for those that come for prayer, and I pray that you'll bless them, Lord. God, that today we will begin to... To not go to bed, Lord, with hurt and hardness, Lord, but go to bed with joy and peace and love between the family of God and you. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that those that made the decision, they'll come let us know, Father God, so that we can pray for them and send them out blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all be dismissed.